Well, let's open our Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 27. You know, the storm that we had was kind of fun until about Wednesday, and then it got to be kind of old. Especially we had lost power Monday night. I do have a generator, so I'm thankful for that, but by Wednesday afternoon I was tired and I was laid down to take a little nap, and just before I dozed off, I said, Lord, it would really be nice if the power came back on. Boom, the power came back on. <laughs> just like, talk about uh, a perfect timing, but uh, I was glad for that. And, um, but it's New England, right? You never know what you're going to get. And I think for me, living up where we live, um, pretty sure it's the biggest snowstorm we've ever had. And uh, four, I think it was uh, 42 inches of snow. We've had a couple of 30 inches, like a week apart, but uh, that was a lot of snow. So anyhow, um, Matthew chapter number 27, we're going to read verses uh, 1 through 18. Then we'll have a short word of prayer and we'll get into the message uh, this morning. The Bible says, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, well, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and he hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it's not lawful for to be put into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury the strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, and the Lord appointed me. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest, and when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity this morning to be here and help me as I preach this message. Pray, Lord, that you'd use me as your instrument and as your vessel, despite my own faults and weaknesses, my own failures. But I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your mercy. 
I'm thankful, Lord, for your calling upon my life and the years that you've allowed me to pastor here. I'm thankful for this church and the faithfulness of its people. I'm thankful, Lord, that you love us, that you care for us, that your grace is sufficient. And Lord, for these next several minutes as we look into your word, Lord, as an act of worship, as an act of giving back to you, help us to be attentive. Help us to think about what we're about to hear and make application to our lives. Search our hearts. Try us. Draw us closer to you. Once again, we pray for the lost, that if there are any here, that you'd save them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to preach to you this morning a topic on the nature of sin. I think you could probably tell that from the uh, outline. And um, full disclosure which regard, with, with, with regards to the outline, um, several of the points, two out, two out of the four points, are really taken from an old song that was sung by a group called the Cathedrals and uh, from some years ago. But... Um, so half the outline is from their song. The other half the outline is mine, and the rest of the message is the message that the Lord's laid on my heart to preach to you this morning. But a couple of years ago, and of all places, the Wall Street Journal. Now, I know many of you probably read the Wall Street Journal on a regular basis. No, you don't. But in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article. And the article was enti entitled this, Whatever happened to sin? It's a funny place for that article to be, wouldn't you think, in the Wall Street Journal? Whatever happened to sin? And it was an excellent article, and I read that article, and I, and I thought about that, and, um, and I'm not going to get into what the article said, but it brought up a lot of things that, uh, that today, in the culture in which we live in, no one would ever relate them to sin. As Isaiah said, the things that, are, that once were wrong are now right, and the things that are right are now wrong. It's, everything's been flipped upside down, it seems. But whatever happened to sin? And um, we need to talk about sin. And Judas, in the Bible, he's a great example. He's a portrait of the dangers of sin and what sin can do uh, in our lives. And so we're reminded this morning of the word sin in the Bible. It really means to miss the target. And it's defined as any thought or word or action, omission of action that's contrary to, to the word of God. The literal meaning, as I said, it's to miss the mark. And so if you've ever as a child, or, or maybe you still do it now, if you've ever uh, partaken in archery, you, you shoot at the target, and the middle of the target is the bullseye, and uh, really the, the whole phrase, to miss the mark, sin, it means to, to, to not hit the bullseye. None of us, uh, as far as sin goes, are perfect. We all sin. Amen? And uh, so uh, we have to come to that reality. But that's what sin is. It's to miss the mark. It's to miss the bullseye. For all have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Isaiah said, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So this morning, 
we want to look at several of these points here. Before we even get into that, we're reminded of this in the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. And then the Bible says this, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, and they're being disobedient to God. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, Thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And that was the beginning of sin in the human race. And so each of us are born into this world with a sinful nature. And that's why Jesus came to deal with that sinful nature. But let's talk about some things today in our personal life. And let's see what happens here in the life of Judas. And then at the very end, uh, certainly we'll end on a far more positive note. But notice on your handout this, point number one that sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. I want to suggest to you this morning that Judas, when he betrayed Jesus, the last thing that he thought of was that Jesus would be crucified, that he would be put to death. There's no indication in the Bible that, that, that indicates that, that, that he thought Jesus was going to die. In fact, just go back one chapter to chapter number 26. Let's look at it here and see what's happened here, just by a backdrop to this. Matthew chapter number 26. Pick it up, if you will, in verse 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests. And he said unto them, What will you give me? Of course, this is Judas. What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they coveted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Now, there's a couple of interesting things here. No one in the group, except for Jesus, no one of the original 12 would have suspected that Judas was going to betray the Lord. In fact, in my mind, the authorities were probably surprised that Judas came to them and made them this offer. So it kind of gives us some thought about you never do know, really, what's in the heart of people. Amen? In fact, you don't really sometimes even know what's in the heart of people sitting right next to you. Because there was Judas. He sat with the other 11 and with Jesus. And certainly the other 11 didn't know what was in his heart. And so he makes this offer to them. And um, I'm sure they're shocked by this. But I don't believe Judas thought that Jesus would be crucified, put to death. I think, as I did some reading on this, and I read a number of different authors, one said this, the language here suggests that Judas had the hope that the betrayed Jesus would deliver himself from his enemies as Jesus had done before. For instance, when I was in Israel last year, Shelley and I went to the top of the Mount of, the Mount of Ascension, and that's just outside of Nazareth. 
And that's where they wanted to take Jesus and throw him off the mountain. And uh, Jesus just turned and walked really right through the crowd. And in a sense, he delivered himself from that. It's just suggested that, that Judas, he probably thought, well, I'll turn him in. I'll make the 30 pieces of silver. But, but Jesus will get out of this just like Jesus gets out of everything. He'll work a miracle. 30 pieces of silver. And isn't it interesting, but the Bible says it's not the lack of money which is the root of all evil, but it's the love of money which is the root of all evil. And for 30 pieces of silver. But I don't think that Judas ever thought that this was going to go as far as it went. That Jesus would be condemned. Look at, look at again in verse 15 of chapter 26. And he said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him 30 pieces of silver. That word covenanted. They made an agreement. And I just suggest to you this morning as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, with regards to sin and allowing sin into your life, be careful with whom and with what you make an agreement. Because sometimes those agreements or those persons can take you down a road further than you ever wanted to go. The psalmist said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight shall be in the law of the Lord, and in it he shall meditate day and night. I don't think Judas ever thought it was going to go this far. And there's examples of that, of course, in the Bible. Probably one of the most famous examples of this is David and Bathsheba. You remember what happened with David and Bathsheba? David whom the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. And one evening, when the kings went forth to battle, David was home, and he was in his palace, and he looked out, and he saw the beautiful Bathsheba bathing, and he lusted after her. Because the Bible says he commanded that she come to him. David should have thought about the words of Job when Job made a covenant with his eyes. But David, I don't believe, ever thought it would move beyond what was truly a sinful act in the sense that Bathsheba, married to Uriah, was then taken to the palace and David committed adultery with Bathsheba. I think David probably thought that was it. That that is as far as this sin was going to go. We've all heard the saying, haven't we? Give an inch and what? It'll take a mile. Well, this sin that David had committed with Bathsheba, it was only the beginning. And you know, it was just, from what the scriptures tell us, it was just one time. And isn't that the deceit of sin? I'm just going to do it one time. Just one instance. And David probably thought it was done until word comes back that Bathsheba's with child. And Uriah's been at the front. It's Uriah's. It's not Uriah's child. It's David's child. 
Well, now the sin that one time has taken on a whole new light, if you will. But that's what sin does. It'll always take you further than you want it to go. So now David comes up with this lying, deceitful plan. He says, call Uriah home. And Uriah comes home. How goes the battle? Uriah tells him how the battle's going. And then David says, listen, listen, Uriah. You haven't seen your wife in, in months. Go be with her. And Uriah says this. He says, no, I'm not going to take comfort while my men are at the front. Oh, so David, now he's lied and he's deceiving, but that's the nature of sin. So now he gets Uriah drunk. The road keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And so Uriah does go, and he, he doesn't go home to be with his wife, but he, he lays down, and that's not working. And, and so now, now what's happened it's first lusting after a woman with his eyes and then committing adultery with her and now getting and, and then lying and deceiving and now getting Uriah drunk. He now premeditates his murder. In fact, unknown to Uriah, Uriah has in his hands a piece of paper, a note. Give this to the generals at the front, David says, not knowing that it's his death warrant. So David, or Uriah, goes to the front, gives the letter to the generals. The generals read it. Oh, put Uriah at the forefront of the battle. David knew what might happen at the forefront of the battle. He's premeditated the murder of Uriah. Uriah goes to the forefront of the battle, and Uriah dies. All started on an, in an evening, probably a nice evening, an unsuspecting moment when David looked out and he saw this beautiful young woman and when he should have turned his eyes, he gazed upon her, lusted after her, brought him home, and then the story I've just told you. But that's the nature of sin. And for those of you that don't know the, the rest of the story, I'll just tell it quickly. David brings Bathsheba to the palace. He marries her. Maybe he thinks then, well, this is finally done with. The psalmist tells us that David lost the joy of his salvation. The Bible says that the child is born. The Bible says that the child then dies. It's all part of a simple act one evening that's the nature and the danger of sin. I'm sure David never thought it would go that far. And I'm sure that Judas never thought that it would go that far. And you and I know the story. Some of us have been part of a story like that. For some of us, no one ever thought that the first time that they ever began to drink, that it would ever lead to an addiction. For some, it, the first time that they ever looked on pornography, they thought out of curiosity, but it led to an addiction. In fact, the reality is right now, there could be somebody in the congregation that's got that sin problem in their lives. It is running rampant 
in our culture. The drug addict. There's a reason. I watch a lot of sports. I, I'm, a, I'm a great fan of sports, but, and now there's sports gambling uh, really throughout the country. And they have these different things, that commercials that come on about how you can gamble on your favorite sport. But at the end of all of that, it says something like this. But if you have a problem with gambling, here's the hotline to call. Here's the hotline. So just think about that. So obviously there's a problem with that. But no one ever would have thought. Well, it just started and then it leads to this, and it leads to this, and it leads to this. But that's the nature of sin. That's why we need to be so careful. But those are more obvious sins. What about anger and resentment building up in your heart? What about that sin? That's a sin that a lot of people don't see. Only the Lord sees it, amen? But what about that sin? And where does that road, what, what road, how far down does that road take you? Bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. Pride. At the very end of the, of the scripture that I read, one of the motivating factors why they wanted uh, Jesus arrested was because the, the Pharisees, they had envy in their hearts. They envied Jesus. They were worried about their position. They weren't worried about truth. They were more worried about their position and their power. That's what sin will do, though. In David's life, in Judas's life, in your life, and in my life, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. And in verse 3, that's what happened. Look at it again. Judas, which had betrayed him. Look at verse 20, chapter 27, verse 3. Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests. And that's the reason I don't think Jesus ever thought, or excuse me, Judas ever thought that Jesus was going to end up crucified. When he saw that he was condemned, when he saw that Jesus was under condemnation, he realized, I think he realized, boy, I didn't really think it was going to come to this. But secondly, on your handout, you'll notice this, the nature of sin. Sin will keep you longer than you ever planned on staying. That's the addictive nature of sin. It'll keep you longer than you ever planned on staying. Verse 4, Judas saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See that, see that to that. We, we don't care about your feelings. By the way, sin doesn't care about your feelings either. Satan doesn't care about your feelings. Sin tramples on your feelings. But sin will keep you longer than you ever planned on staying. That's why we have to be so careful in our lives and stay close to the Lord. Look on your handout, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. I think it will be on the screen as well. The Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. 
Listen, let's, let's face reality. There is pleasure, temporal pleasure, in sin. Amen? Sin is not like going to the dentist. Right? How many of you, does anybody here enjoy going to the dentist? No, I didn't think so. Boy, some of you are looking, what are you talking about, the dentist? Now, I've been going to my dentist. He's a nice guy. I like my dentist. So if somehow or another the word got back to him that I was using this in his example, I want to make sure, because he's going to be drilling and all that kind of stuff. You know? So I want to make sure that he knows that I'm okay with him. He's a good guy. And the staff there, they are excellent people, excellent. But I've had this tooth that they I had to have a crown put on a tooth. But he told me, now him and I, we've kind of, and the staff, we've kind of laughed about it. He told me, you know, I think I can save that tooth. You don't need a crown. I can save you some money. Great, I said, that's a good deal. And uh, so he did, but you know what? Didn't work. And the filling fell out. So he said, all right. So come on back in. Well, the next time I went back in, and it went so smooth the first time. You got the Novocaine, that was done, drilled. I was out of there. The next time I was there, I was in the dentist chair for over two hours. Four shots of Novocaine could not find the nerve. Finally, I said, just keep drilling. If I put my hand up, stop. A few times I put my hand up. If sin was like going to the dentist, we'd all be holy and righteous. Amen? But sin is not like going to the dentist. There's pleasure in sin for a season. No one who starts out thinks, oh, this is horrible. I'm not going to do this anymore. No, that's the nature of sin. That's how sin works. And not only does it take you down a road and further than you ever wanted to go, it'll keep you longer than you ever planned on staying. The nature of sin is such that a person is long enslaved to sin well after the pleasure of sin has run its course. It entraps. There's the bondage of sin. The chains, as many as possible and as long as possible. The links of the chain I've already mentioned, things like addiction and immorality, both in the flesh and in the mind, constantly rebellion and despair, discouragement and shame and guilt. And just like at the end of verse 4, when those are taking place in an individual's life, it's as if the tempter says, and, and, we, and we realize it, and we then, we just feel like, oh, how did I get to this point? The tempter said, well, what's that to us? We don't really care. In fact, the tempter would say, we're glad you feel like that. We're happy that you're in, experiencing guilt and shame and heartbreak. The more, the better. That's the nature of sin. They didn't care about Judas. They just cared that he betrayed the Lord. I don't know who wrote this. It was probably Matthew Henry because I'm a big fan of his and I didn't mark the person, but someone said this. 
Tempters to iniquity are hard-hearted and cruel. They'll get men into trouble but will not receive, relieve them. They are of their father the devil, and like him, they will tempt men to sin and then torment them on account of it. That's the nature of sin. I gave you one illustration of the first point. Another illustration for the second point is a well-known story in the Bible of the prodigal son, isn't it? You remember quickly that story. The young man said, Father, I, I want my inheritance and I want it now. And so the father gave him and his brother their inheritance early. And so the Bible says that the prodigal son, he left. He left home. He got out from under his father. He's doing his own thing. And, he's, and the Bible indicates that, well, it says this, that he wasted uh, his substance on riotous living. In other words, he lived the party life. And I'm sure had a lot of friends, a lot of acquaintances, a lot of good times. Because you see, there is pleasure in sin for a season. But then all of a sudden, the money ran out. And when the money ran out, the friends ran out. And then the food ran out. And now, he's working for a guy, taking care of the guy's pigs. And he's getting the pig's leftovers. I'm sure when the prodigal son left home, he never thought it would come to that. And there he is. He's just living amongst the hogs. What we'll just call the hog pen of life. And how many of an individual finds themselves like that? But I always remember there is a fountainhead for sin. It starts somewhere. And then the Bible says, but he came, one day he came to his senses. And he thought, you know, here I am living with the pigs. My father, you know, he's got hired servants that live better than I do. I'm just going to go home and throw myself on the mercy of my father. And he did, and, and that's a wonderful story as well. By the way, Judas could have done that. In fact, one writer said this, Judas's betrayal wasn't so, Judas's betrayal as much as betraying the Lord was wrong, maybe his greater sin was not calling upon the mercy, the mercy and grace of God to forgive him. And that brings us to the third point. Sin will rob you of all you ever thought you gained. Like the prodigal. Oh, he probably thought, look at all these friends that I have now. Look at the good life I have. The freedom. I'm not under my father's authority any longer. I'm now just free to do as I please. But in the end, it robbed him of everything that he thought he gained. And in the end, it robbed Judas of everything he thought he gained. Verse 5 says, And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and he departed and went, and he hung himself. He took his own life. For some of you, that's a personal thing. For me, it's personal. I had a, my oldest brother took his own life. And I watched a very smart, hardworking man allow his life to be destroyed by alcohol. And his marriage 
destroyed by alcohol. And his children, one of which became addicted to alcohol and then died of cirrhosis of the liver. If you admit my brother 20 years prior to that, when he was living in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, in a beautiful home with a beautiful family, you would have never thought it would come to that. So that's why I preach a message like this. Because sin, ladies and gentlemen, and young men and young women, is devastating. And quite frankly, though, but for the grace of God, go I. Sin will rob you of all you ever thought you'd gain. What Judas thought was important meant nothing now. He cast it to the ground. How many people have entered into some type of sinful conduct or sinful behavior or sinful thoughts only to attain what they thought that they so desired and then they're just left empty and miserable, ruined, shipwrecked? In fact, just a little over a week ago, my brother's wife, former wife, was in the hospital and we visited and we talked about their life and how unfortunate it all turned out. I went to see her. A marriage ruined. A family ruined. Reputations ruined. Wasted lives. The heartbreak emotional people who are emotionally broken spiritually broken physically broken financially broken that's the nature that sin is and has upon us sin will always take you further than you ever wanted to go it'll keep you longer than you planned on staying it'll rob you of all you ever thought you gained he thought he had gained 30 pieces of silver he ended up losing his life and for what? Look, no, look, look, look at verse number, look at verse number ten or uh, verse number nine. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, "And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value." If you first read that, they said, "Well, why then, if they valued him, why would they then?" Uh, you might not get that the whole idea of if they valued him. Well, the word value there. It's not that they valued Jesus as the Savior, as the Messiah. The, the reference there is, that's what it cost to buy a slave, 30 pieces of silver. That was the value they placed upon the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 30 pieces of silver. The same value that you'd place on a slave in those days. That's where the 30 pieces came from. James 1, 14 and 15 uh, says this, But every man, when he is tempted, is drawn away of his own lust. And when lust hath conceived, excuse me, every, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. Don't ever underestimate the powerful nature of sin. But then lastly, 
I said we'd end on a positive note. Sin will always be defeated by the power of the risen Savior. Always. Always defeated by the power of the risen Savior. Now you have to avail yourself to the power of the risen Savior. The Lord's not going to force himself upon you. It's the power of the cross. I was listening uh, to a, a country, country gospel song the other day. I was traveling up to northern Vermont, and some of the lyrics of the song went like this. The question is, the question is this. It's not have you visited church. The question is have you visited Calvary? Have you gone to the cross? Because that's the, the, the power of the, of the risen Savior is not found in the church. The power of the risen Savior is found in the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed and his burial and his death and his resurrection. We conquered death. And I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, if our Lord and Savior could conquer death, there's nothing in your life that if you'll avail yourself to the risen Savior and to the power of the Holy Spirit of God, that God will not give you the ability to conquer whatever that sin is that does so easily beset you. That's the answer. That's the need of the hour. It is the resurrected Savior. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 5, and then verse 8, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Oh, let me tell you, when you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I had, I had some sin issues in my life as a young man. And I'm thankful for a pastor who pointed me to the power of the cross who pointed me to a risen Savior. And despite, as I walked with the Lord and stumbled, and the Lord promised, I'll pick you up, we just need to keep going, and, 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 and being reminded, keep your eyes on the cross, keep your eyes on the Savior, keep your eyes on the power of the resurrection. There's where victory comes in our lives. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're struggling with any kind of sin in your life, whether the obvious or, or the hidden, take it to the cross. Take it to the cross. I was reminded this morning as I was getting ready of the old hymn, there's room at the cross. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. I love this part of it. Though millions have come, there's still room for can't hit that note. One. There's room at the cross for you. There's always room at the cross. And so I don't care how far down the road sin has taken you this morning, there's room at the cross for you. And I don't care how long you've been stuck in the prison of sin, there's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross. And I don't care how much it's cost you, the cost of sin, the cost of sin, where sin abounded, the Bible says, grace did much more abound. Avail yourself 
to the grace and to the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. Judas repented, the Bible says, but he didn't repent unto the Lord. He was just sorry for the actions that he took. I don't think there's any indication there that he got his heart right with God. If he had, I don't think he would have hung himself. But for you and I, there's room at the cross. I want to end there. I had a few more things to say, but I think that's the place that the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, leave it at the cross. Leave it at the cross. So as we finish this morning, if God has spoken to your heart about one of these issues, if there's something going on in your life, if you've been tempted, if your eyes have cast themselves on something that you ought not to have, your behavior is such that it's out of control, it's sinful in its nature, take it to the cross. Take it to Jesus this morning. Admit it to him. Admit it to him. Someone recently admitted to me some sin that had been in their life, and they said, well, I didn't want to tell you then because I was embarrassed. Well, listen, just take it to Jesus. His arms are wide open. He's just waiting. He's just waiting. And if you're here this morning or you're watching on the live stream and you have never asked Jesus to be your Savior, there's room at the cross for you too. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. Just a few weeks, we'll celebrate the Resurrection Sunday. But as Pastor Ethan said two weeks ago, every Sunday, every day is Resurrection Day for us. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And he also went on and said that in the fellowship of his sufferings, but the power of his resurrection. Every day we ought to live in the power of the resurrected Savior. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, this morning, in just a minute, we're going to sing a hymn, a closing hymn of invitation. Why don't you at your seat just go to the Lord and admit to him that you're a sinner. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus came to die and pay for your sin. And not only to pay for your sin, but then to give you, as we've read, then to give you power over sin, to give you purpose in your life. But then even, even after we've done that, if we sin, if we say no, if we say, the Bible says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as we were reminded in the adult Sunday school, we don't need to go to a priest to confess our sin. We go to our high priest, Jesus Christ, to confess our sin. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Again, this morning, if you're here and you say, well, I'm not really sure that I'm saved. Well, you have to admit that you're a sinner. To admit that, you have to believe that Jesus died and he paid for your sin on the cross. And as I said, the Bible says, call upon him. It's room at the cross for you. He died for you. He cares for you. He shed his blood for you. And right now, if you'll call upon him from your heart, Lord, I admit to you I'm a sinner. Please save me. Become my Savior. Put my trust in you. 
That's really what it means to be born again. Call upon him. Call upon him. And then you that have already done that, what are you struggling with? You know, it may not have been any of those things that I mentioned. It may be something else that you're dealing with. It may not even be something that you think is sinful. Maybe you're just struggling with something in your life. And, and you just need to, you need to be reminded that whatever that struggle is, there's room at the cross for you. You go back and talk to the Savior about it. Maybe you just need guidance and wisdom and direction. There's room at the cross for you. Father, bless this invitational song as we sing. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.